You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Urban Shooter Podcast. It's my birthday. Barbara shares some importance about our history. Zombie Strike number 86. I'll go crazy. New audio for Hogger Watches and Lone Wolf Distributors. Question of the week touches on... Evil Black Rifles. That was Evil Black Rifles. You see my, uh, my pistol kind of turned into a transformer. And that's how it talks now. MGI is our featured presentation. And uh, we got some news. All this and a whole lot more coming up on that Evil Black Rifle episode number 223, as in Caliber. Crossbreedholsters.com presents the Urban Shooter Podcast. This is the program variety show that features inspiration, observations, and conversations about life, the shooting sports, and more. And here he is, now helping you survive another week, your friend and brother from a different mother, the black man with a gun, the pastor of patriots, paladins, and pistoleros, Ken Blanchard. All right. Thanks for joining me again. I am your host, Pastor Ken Blanchard, the chaplain of open and concealed carry, the priest of paladins, the pastor of patriots and pistoleros, the walking saint of the self-defense, and the chief evangelist for the right to keep and bear arms. If you can put all that together, you get a hot mess. And that's what I am, a hot mess. It's a great time to be alive. I'm glad you're joining me again. And uh, I got a lot for you today. Yep, I'm feeling pretty good. And you want to make sure you catch the show notes to this episode on KenNBlanchard.com. Or you can start off looking for BlackManWithAGun.com and you'll find KenBlanchard.com. I'm here, man. Always 24 hours, seven days a week here for you. My email address, if you want to contact me, is BlackManWithAGun at gmail.com. My phone number, you can leave a toll-free message, 888-675-0202. Hey, what's happening with you this week? I'm still trying to get in shape. You? Really? You know, round is a shape. But I'm trying to get a little bit better. I mean, just, I've been running now for three weeks, but only twice a week, three times if I can make it. It's making a difference. I feel better. I'm getting good sleep. Um, I'm feeling kind of frisky, actually. The, um, The only problem is I feel like a slug. On the track. My legs feel like I got lead boots. And the endurance just isn't there yet. Maybe I'm just pushing myself too hard because I haven't been running in 20 years. And now I'm on this track, suited up, got all my black hawks stuck on my my, my coordinating black. uh, What's the shoe with the N on it? New Balance. I'm color coordinated. I'm looking good. And I'm moving like a. Like, you could go backwards faster. Yeah. But I'm going to make it, though. I got up to about a mile and a half today, and that's almost embarrassing to tell it. But I can do a good quarter mile straight sprint. After that, sluggo, baby. So hopefully by the end of the summer, I'll drop a couple of pounds, look better, and the run won't feel like, like I'm walking in mud. But that's just what's going on with me for right now. Celebrating another year of life. Yeah. Saw Sade and John Legend last night. Nice concert. Damn, everything was really choreographed with like video and movie stuff in the background. 
the rock star stage has evolved. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And Sade's stuff is like um, when you go into those fancy European um, electronic places where it's like real Spartan and all high tech stuff. That's how her stage was. The whole European cool kind of thing. She still sounds good. Still looks good too. It's just It was just a nice concert. My kids treated me for my birthday. Yeah, a year older. I'm geezing, man, but I ain't going out like that. I'm going to be fit all the way to the grave. Able to do whatever I got to do at any time. I refuse to be one of those old fat guys. I'll get the old part, but I won't be fat. It's my plan to talk about something I know nothing about, and that's uh, ARs and evil black rifles. Evil black rifles. But the reason I want to talk about it anyway, though, is that you can teach me. You can educate me. Um, as you learn something or you find out something that's cool to share, send it to me. Send to how? You know, my email, blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. And then I can post it. I can talk about it. I can share it on future episodes. Here's my premise. Like me, there are many people who live in or near a city. We don't get a chance to shoot long rifles anywhere. Teach me. Tell me what you know. Educator brother. And some of the stuff that I asked, I got educated this week. And we're going to talk about that on episode 223 of the Urban Shooter Podcast. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You know, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I done did my run and ate some good chow. Got you here. It's good times. And it's June. June. I have fished already one time and my birthday is this week. And ah, seen Sade for the first time in my life after listening to her music since the 80s. Uh, went to a Christian comedian over the weekend. It's just good. I just feel real good. I'm glad you're here. Hey, we're going to hit something really hard this week. We're going to talk about diversity amongst um, shooting sports. You know, I, I've been dabbling and hitting people between the eyes and uh, not getting beat up too bad for it. And even though this is a one-sided thing, you can tell when you're making a difference. Yeah, this is one of them sensitive subjects nobody really wants to jump on. So since I'm already jumping, I'm going to hit it again with some talk about Hispanics in the shooting sports. This is not the first time I had um, Fernando um, Hernandez actually on eons ago. Uh, he was an NRA board of director member out of California, and we talked about Hispanics then. So it's not a first, but uh, I'm glad to revisit the issue, and I'm going to keep on doing it. I'll make sure that this is the most inclusive podcast, the most inclusive effort in the whole shooting world, because that's what I do. I've been advocated at the Shanti proverb forever. None of us is as strong as all of us. Speaking of strong, I want to show you or let you listen to a audio I just made for Hogger Watches. It's a new company out of Frederick, Maryland, out of Hagerstown, Maryland, I'm sorry. And uh, I made a boo-boo on this thing. The actual, the, uh, the specs are better than I recorded. Check this out. 
hagerwatches.com. In the northwestern city of Maryland, known as Hagerstown, a new watch company begins. The watch is called Hager. It is designed by a U.S. veteran, a watch aficionado, a patriot that wanted to leave his mark in history, offering a quality watch for the active person that didn't break the bank. Automatic movement, water resistant to three atmospheres. The Commando features a unique fighting knife logo on the back and the Urban Commando look. It's not too big and looks at home both in the office or in the field. Hoggerwatches.com. Get yours today. Yeah, I got mine on right now. I'm digging this thing. Check it out. Man, I feel good. God, I just, mm, I feel so good. You know what? Yeah, it's time for that. If you leave me, I'll go crazy. If you leave me, I'll go crazy. Cause I love you, I love you. Oh, I love you so much. If you quit me, I'll go crazy. If you forget me, I love you, I love you, oh, I love you too much. You've got to live for yourself, yourself and nobody else. You've got to live for yourself, yourself and nobody else. If you leave me, I'll go crazy. If you I love you, I love you, oh, I love you too much. You've got to live for yourself, yourself and nobody else. You've got to live for yourself, yourself and nobody else. If you quit me, I'll go crazy. If you forget me, I'll Cause I love ya, I love ya, oh, I love you too much. That's right, I love you, and it's not a darn thing you can do about it. If you get a chance, tell somebody about the Urban Shooter Podcast. All right, next up, Barbara. Hey, Urban Shooter, this is Barbara Baird, Women's Outdoor News. What is the definition of the word strife? We don't use it or see it much in our everyday vocabularies. Political pundits and talking heads, editors and bloggers seem to believe that our country is at its breaking point, its highest stress levels ever. This is why it's important to know our history lessons. Many of you have listened to Ken Blanchard, the voice behind this podcast, speak of the Civil War and history of civil rights since then. In fact, this is the sesquicentennial anniversary of the Civil War in our nation. Just this week, I took a little trip to Carthage, Missouri, home of the first battle of the Civil War, 
to visit the Civil War Museum for a travel magazine assignment. You heard me correctly when I said the first battle. The Battle of Carthage was fought two weeks before Bull Run. So the folks there proclaim it to be the first battle of the Civil War. For those of you who know your history, you'll recall that Missouri was a border state, which means brothers and cousins came eyeball to eyeball with each other, mostly in guerrilla-style warfare with squirrel guns and shotguns. It also means that in no time in our history, I argue, did our country suffer such strife as we did then, when friends and relatives had to decide for themselves what they believed. Or as a quote in the museum stated, every soul was required to choose sides. A few weeks ago, I attended an event in Winchester, Virginia, hosted by the North-South Skirmish Association, and was invited to shoot on the women's cannon team. You can hear about that experience back in podcast number 219, called Arcturus. More than 3,000 people participated in that super black powder experience, shooting carbines, muskets, revolvers, breech loaders, and the aforementioned artillery. It was not hard to imagine being on the receiving end of any of these weapons while I stood behind the firing lines. But what would it have felt like to be on the receiving end when you knew a family member was lighting the fuse or pulling the trigger? That, my friends, is strife and discord within a nation. I urge you to get out and discover some history in your own backyard before it gets rewritten, retold, and recycled into something it never was. To learn more about the Battle of Carthage, see www.carthage-mo.gov. So that's www.carthage-mo.gov. Over at the Women's Outdoor News, we feature news, reviews, and stories about women in the outdoors. And you can visit us at www.womensoutdoornews.com. This is Barbara Baird. Thanks, Ken. You're most welcome. And now, my favorite righteous company, crossbreedholsters.com. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com. All right, next up, we're going to talk about Hispanic shooters. Brother Miguel, I know you're not comfortable talking about this kind of stuff, but I want to give the world kind of a flavor, a different perspective of all the different people that shoot in the world, all the people who listen to the Urban Shooter Podcast, all the people who compete, all the people who believe in the armed lifestyle that don't get represented by a lot of people. And I picked on you because you're my brother. So let the world hear you for the first time as I ask some pretty crazy questions, but I'm thankful that you actually took some time to respond. The first, how do you think you're being seen as a Hispanic in the shooting sports? What's it like? Well, maybe I was lucky, but I was well-received by the club I joined. Uh, I am the same as any other shooter, but, you know, my difference is that I do have a funny accent. I have some strong ideas and some stuff, just like everybody else, and that makes me different, just like everybody else. I have shot in states that were supposed to be racist, and was treated the same as I lived there all my life and own a pickup truck and whatever. 
Well, I do own a pickup truck. So we are uh, perhaps seen as weird and different is among other Hispanics. Then again, over 500 years of being taught that weapons and self-defense are bad and that you should let the government take care of you are not easily erased overnight. This is one place where we have to work. Thanks, man. Thanks for your honesty. So what do you own and what do you like to shoot? Uh, what do I own and like to shoot? I own a Taurus PT-92, an FMP-9, which is my da- daily carry gun, uh, and a Smith & Wesson revolver model, model 65-2, a Mossberg 835 shotgun set for home defense, and a Wazer 10, which is the Romanian AK semi-automatic variant. I shoot IDPA, International Defensive Pistol Association, uh, at the Tropical Sports Shooting Association here in, my, in South Florida which is the best action shooting sport there is yeah, for you to practice your concealed carry skills. All right. So how did you get involved in this stuff? About 12 years ago or so, I was looking for something other than shoot, you know, going to square range and uh, shooting one uh, shot per second and just waste 100 rounds of ammunition just making cute little holes in the paper. And I happened to see an episode of uh, Shooting USA that were featuring IDPA. I said to myself, that's what I want. That's what I want to do. And I found out there was a local club, and I've been shooting with them ever since. Okay, here's a stereotypical question and something that might surprise some folks. Do you belong to a Hispanic shooting club? I do not belong to one, or I'm even aware that one exists, to tell you the truth. If there was one, I would not join. I detest any type of self-ghettoing just because I happen to be born into a specific race or religion. I am an American without a hyphen who believes strongly in the Constitution and does his little part on the, by defending the Second Amendment. That is the only group I belong to, and I'm darn proud of it. Amen. Okay? Yep. None of that stuff. I had to put that little applause in there afterwards. You're on a roll, man. Keep talking about your experiences. What's up with that? Uh, overall, my experience as non-angle shooter has been great. Uh, you are valued only for your standing on the range and on your defense of gun rights and not the color of your skin. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I cannot even think about it uh, being uh, treated any other way because I was uh, Hispanic. That doesn't, say, that doesn't mean that everybody likes me, but that's for a whole, whole bunch of other different reasons, not because of my shooting or my... Oh, my color. I like you, buddy. I love you, actually. What's important to you, man? What's important to you as a shooter? Uh, as cold and nasty as it sounds, we need to use the race card against uh, those who re- try to restrict our rights. They use it. We need to use it. This is, uh, I understand we are supposed to hold a more, higher moral ground, but this is a PR war we're facing also. And uh, what we need to do is find good public speakers, Hispanic speakers, and any other color, and have the NRA and SAF use them against the Brady's and uh, the, the Violence Policy Center and the rest of them. So that they, they cannot use the usual program people or a bunch of rednecks who drink beer, marry their causes, and enjoy hanging people from trees. So that's a narrative that we must destroy, and the only way to do it is when CNN or Fox or MSNBC call the NRA for an interview, we send them a spokesman. 
and the spokesman is this person they're expecting a white guy and we are going to hit him with a Hispanic, with a black, with an oriental. And there are those. There are, uh, we have shooters of all the races. That's my opinion on where we are still short. I don't know. Pick your color, pick your religion. And we have to tell the great lobby groups, the NRA, the SAF, anybody else, you know, when they call you, you know that in the background it is the, they have this narrative and that you destroy that by having a member of a minority being as forceful and as intelligent and well-spoken defending the Constitution. This is a war that in the field of reasoning and the smarts and in just talking, we cannot give any quarters. They're losing. We're winning. But the objective is we have to do win totally. We need to win no matter what. There are some people you will never, ever bring into the fold. We need to convince those that are sitting on the fence or haven't made a decision yet because they have the wrong information or those who can be convinced. That's it. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Brother Miguel. That was my brother and my friend Miguel, activist and gun owner and listener to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Ese era mi amigo y hermano Miguel, dueño de arma, activista y oyente del tirador urbano. Gracias, mi amigo. Triggers, sights, plugs, porting, barrels, slides. Springs, grips, laser engraving, and more. LoneWolfDist.com. In 1986, I was introduced to the Glock 17 Safe Action Pistol at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. Like Henry Ford's Model T, you could get your new purchase in only one color, one configuration. Today, there is Lone Wolf Distributors, the world's largest distributors of Glock accessories. You can tattoo, improve, customize, accessorize, and glamorize your Glock today like never before. Check out the catalog for yourself at LoneWolfDist.com. That's LoneWolfDist.com. Evil Black Rifles. Question of the week. Why should anybody want an AR or an AK? And my responses that I'm reading for you are coming from my Facebook family. You can be a part of that at Ken N. Blanchard. Look for Facebook, look for Pastor Ken, and you'll find me there. Bruce was the first one to answer. He says a light, good capacity, easy, obtainable ammo, and easy to maintain. And he said it was a standard for zombie defense. And tell him that was for, from... Fourpermits.com. Chance says, because they can. 
John says, why would anybody choose a bolt-action rifle for defense when you can have 40 to 100 rounds available and have a rifle that will cycle for you? That was like super educated there, John. Good deal, man. Lewis says, a well-dressed AR is off the charts for cool. So pride of ownership is one. For things that go bump in the night, unless you live in big bear country, it's just the right size. Just this week, a coyote a few counties over tried to drag a three-year-old off of a trampoline and into the woods. He said that grabbing a bat to engage a predator, two-legged or four-legged, because nothing better is available, would suck. So true, my man, so true. Chris says, the light recoil of AR-15 makes it surprisingly easy to shoot training rifle for a newbie. With limited instruction, they can have lots of fun, too. So, it's instruction. It's ease of operation. And then JT, again, comes back with something really profound. He says, when they confiscated AR-15s, I remained silent because I did not own one. When they confiscated pistols with 10-round magazines, I remained silent because I did not own one. When they confiscated six-shot revolvers, I remained silent. I did not own one. When they came for my double-barreled shotgun, I shot two of them before they killed me. Wow. Tony says, with the right stock, they can be used by everyone in the family for everything from plinking to hunting to defense. Plus, if you get one with a folding stock, you can defend yourself in close quarters. The adjustable stock can have an adjustable fit without any gunsmithing work. And here's something that Sean sent in. Hey, Pastor Ken. You ask what you should tell a person when they ask why anyone would want to shoot an AR or an AK. I think that's the wrong question. To most people, the AR and the AK are anti-personnel weapons. They can rationalize Grandpa's deer gun since it's for hunting, but the AR and the AK have to be thought of as weapons used to kill people. When someone objects to a weapon as being only good for killing people, they are telling you that they disagree with you on a much more fundamental point. People who disagree on first principles cannot have any meaningful discussion except on those first principles. The first principle that needs discussion here is, does any citizen have the right to kill another person without having government authorization first? I say that the answer is clearly yes. If the alternative is that death or serious injury will occur to an innocent person, including me, then it is both legal and moral to kill an attacker. Once you have that discussion, and they agree that it is legal and moral to kill in self-defense, then it is appropriate to discuss why using an AR or an AK is a logical choice. Until they agree that it is okay to kill in self-defense, it's a pointless discussion. All right, Sean. Thanks, man. Sean blogs at ncguns.blogspot.com. Eric says they're fun to shoot, especially they are 15s. Options galore make it fit everybody or anybody. Steven says, here, tuck this under your arm, point at that dirt pile, and pull the trigger as fast as you can. Now, would you like one too? Jeff gives us two points. He says, if you're extremely proficient with an AR or an AK, it makes more sense than buying a 223 or 7.62 by 39 millimeter that is awkward and cumbersome for you to handle. If an AR or AK fits like a glove for you, and you can hit your target like a nail driver, it makes sense to have one. 
Besides, we have the right to own one. John says he was amazed at the accuracy of his M4 right out of the box. Scott says the Japanese never intent attempted to invade mainline America because they knew there would be a rifle behind every blade of grass. Their words, not his. Owning an AR is being a responsible citizen. Kurt says they're just so much fun to shoot. And finally, Jason says because of those platforms, they are very versatile for hunting, plinking, precision, and or defense. It's the ultimate tinker toy for adults. I want to thank all those who contributed to uh, or contributed to module question of the week this week. And if you're not a member of my Facebook page, please join that thing before Facebook kicks me off of there. You know how they get as soon as you start getting used to something you get booted. If you're into ARs and I suspect, I suspect you are. Are you a member of AR15.com? They got a new podcast and a updated looking forum. So check out AR15.com if you get a chance. In that realm, let's go to our featured guest for this week. And now, our featured presentation. Our featured guest this week is the CEO of MGI Industries. And I just got to bring him in here because he's such a good guy. Matt Gwynn, welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank you, Tim. Tell me about MGI, sir. Well, MGI is a uh, weapons development and um, manufacturer. We actually started uh, years ago. Uh, the original design team at MGI started uh, Bushmaster back in the early 70s. And since uh, those days, we've gone through uh, several company name changes, but uh, always staying in the weapons industry. We've got a strong uh, military background as well as uh, manufacturing got a, uh, a strong military background. Um, we uh, use this to uh, maintain our focus on providing weapons that are not only uh, highly uh, effective but uh, impractical, but also highly reliable. Okay. What do, what do you produce? What kind of weapons? We, we produce a uh, modular weapon system. It's based on the AR-15, M16, M4 platform. Uh, we took the basic AR platform and completely modularized it so that it's capable with no tools of allowing the end user in the field to change the barrel, bolts, and magwells to accommodate any number of uh, configurations and calibers that the shooter uh, might need. Okay, give me a for, for example. Like, what would you want to change out? Or what's... what's uh... Well, you, you can start with just the QCB or quick change barrel upper receiver no tools, and then in about 20 seconds, change the barrel. Uh, it uses standard barrels, so availability is not an issue. You can change, let's say, for example, you just wanted to go from a long 5.56 barrel to a short one. You can change just the barrel length in about 20 seconds using standard barrels with no tools. If you wanted to take that one step further, you could change the uh, your 5.56 barrel, pull that out, put in a 7.62 by 39 barrel, for example, change the bolt, of course, mm -hmm. and then you'd have the uh, upper receiver that could accommodate 7.62 by 39 ammunition. The problem historically has been then how do you feed ammunition into the weapon system reliably? And what we get is we took the lower receiver and 
um, modularize that with a system of interchangeable magazine wells. What this means is that you can use the magazine that was designed for the cartridge that you want to shoot. In this example, that would be some 62x39, so your uh, mag well would accommodate a uh, AK-47 magazine. That's the most reliable magazine there is for that cartridge. Uh, conversely, if you wanted to convert the weapon system to 45 ACP, for example, and shoot uh, pistol calibers, you could change the barrel and bolt to the 45 uh, uh, caliber. And then we've got a couple options right now with the uh, magwell. You have a magwell that accommodates Glock magazines, for example, to uh, shoot 45 ACP, or you could uh, put on a magwell that will accommodate the old M3 grease gun mag. Oh, wow. So where, how do you buy one of these systems? The uh, weapon system right now is being uh, marketed uh, through uh, several uh, distributors and uh, dealers as well across the country. Uh, CAM4 and Sanders are both stocking uh, distributors. Uh, you can also check out the uh, our website at uh, mgimilitary.com, and uh, you can always call us too to find a dealer in your area. Okay, let me get that website one more time. It's mgimilitary.com. All right, cool. What's um What's your bread and butter? What's What's really hot right now? Well, because of the uh, modularity of the weapon system, uh-huh. a lot of people are, are used to calling up companies and asking what different rifles they produce. Instead of producing different rifles, we produce the one you know, modular weapon system. And, and if, uh, people will think of it as a system instead of a set of different rifles. It, it really helps them understand the concept. Uh, as such, the 556 uh, basic system is, is always popular. I would have to say probably the next most popular configuration of the weapon is the 7.62x39 using AK magazines. Mm-hmm. And then we have a strong aftermarket uh, uh, component with our uh, rate and recoil reducing buffers, for example, uh, as well as several other aftermarket items that uh, are available to improve the reliability of your, uh, weapon systems that our customers may already have. All right. So for the for the novice person, a new shooter that wants to have a versatile firearm, they go to your site, they pick out a couple of things, and this modular thing means that you can actually change um, calibers and kind of configure it how you want it? Exactly. We had uh, one customer describe it. He says, after taking a look at the weapon system, he says, oh, I understand. It's like an erector set for uh, adults. Oh, all right. And I, I, I thought that was a fairly appropriate uh, description because the end user, again, can configure the weapon the way they need or want it. Hmm. Nice, nice. And it seems like ARs are hot right now. Everybody wants to kind of customize, like we used to do the, the old cars. Mm-hmm. The, the AR uh, basic platform has been around for the better part of 50 years now. And it, it's just my personal belief that the reason it's been around is because it's so practical and effective. All we did was add uh, capabilities to the basic proven platform. Gotcha. And you said that you guys have been around a while because you kind of started with Bushmaster, huh? Correct. Uh, we actually started uh, uh, Bushmaster with the original uh, Bushmaster pistol. Oh, really? 
same design team that designed the Bushmaster pistol uh, was instrumental in starting uh, this modular weapon system. Oh, okay, cool, cool. What um, what what hot item can I can I pass on to my listeners that they might not see or might not notice that you guys are pushing right now or doing? <laughs> uh, we're always in the process of uh, designing new configurations. Uh, I would uh, highly suggest if your listeners are either uh, on uh, Facebook or uh, uh, signing up there to stay aware of, of new releases and new things that we're coming out with on uh, Facebook. We often uh, announce them there. We also have a monthly newsletter that uh, they can sign up for on our website uh, and stay up to date on what new hot items are coming out. Uh, mentioning Facebook on the Internet, uh, we often have discussion groups about what people would like to see as far as uh, potential new items being released. The most recent uh, item that's really taken off uh, for us is a belt feed modular weapon system. Yeah, so I, got a, I, got a, I, got, I got a picture of that. And uh, that, that's, that's been extremely popular. It's, uh, for lack of a better expression, Ken, it's just plain fun. That's what I'm talking about. That's the Hydra, right? Correct, yep. Yeah, I, I saw that this morning. I was, I was kind of doing a Google search of MGI. Because um, I actually talked to a guy at the, shot, at the N, M, NRA um, annual meeting, and I was kind of impressed. I just like you guys because you're approachable. You're not like uh, stuffy and you don't act like you got it all going on. You actually will talk to people, and that that's important to me. Well, you know, I, we enjoy getting out and uh, showing people what we have, and uh, we believe in our product. Uh, we'll put it up against anything else out there, uh, and we believe in it because it's, uh, it's, it's the best thing going as far as we're concerned, and uh, we can back it up and... The fun part is, uh, as you mentioned, if you saw the product at the NRA show, uh, we, we can show people why it's better. We can show them you know, how, it, how we think it's better instead of just saying it. Yeah, y'all had a whole hodgepodge of stuff up there. I was like going, wow, look at this thing here. Look at this right here. It was just kind of, it was different. I like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, the, the one thing that's a little hard to overcome is most of us grew up with the concept of dedicated uppers and dedicated lowers. And we have done away uh, with that concept. Uh, there are no more uh, dedicated uppers and dedicated lowers as far as we're concerned. We have a change barrel upper receiver, and we have a modular lower receiver. Uh, we made it them together, and um, the late Charlie Cutshaw uh, was actually the first one that nicknamed it the Hydra. He uh, said it's one basic platform, one body, and, of course, the uh, Greek um, mythological creature in uh, Greek history had one body and multiple heads. Right, right. So we thought it was a fairly uh, accurate description, and uh, the uh, names kind of stuck with it. Oh, yeah, good name, man. How, how about how about shooting this thing? Is it? I know you can fix it up how you want it, but you had any accuracy tests or anything that it hits what you're supposed to aim at? We have indeed. Uh, it's been tested at uh, Fort Benning, uh, Georgia, by the Small Arms Evaluation Branch. It uh, outshot everything down there. What I tell people is, though, that despite the modularity in the, for example, the 223 or 556 configuration, mm-hmm. where it looks a lot like an AR-15 and it acts a lot like an AR-15, 
they'll shoot like the AR-15 that they're used to. The difference is if they want to switch to some 6.2 or 6.8 or uh, 45 ACP or 9 millimeter or 357 SIG or 450 Thumper, uh, for example, or 450 SOCOM. The difference with our system is they don't sit, historically, they'd sit down the AR-15 and they'd go buy another complete rifle mm-hmm. or at least an upper. With our system, the most that they'll ever purchase is a barrel bolt and magazine well. Nice. I'm going to write that down. Barrel, bolt, and magazine well. Correct. At the most. Um, and the reason I say at the most is because sometimes, uh, well, just for example, the AR Magwell is a good example of how several calibers will feed through the same magazine well. Mm. Okay. Uh, 223, 68, 50 day wolf, 450 thumper, 450 so called. They, they all feed through the AR Magwell. So in those examples, you'd only have to change the barrel and bolt. Okay. So it, it truly is one of these systems where the more you shoot, the less expensive it gets. Nice. The way the economy is, man, you need that right now. Correct. Yeah, we're, we're pretty much on par price-wise with the price of the, uh, you know, on top-end, you know, AR. Uh-huh. And we're actually undercutting uh, some of our competition on price-wise. And then when you add in the additional capabilities, of our system. Nobody can touch us. That's cool, man. That's, uh, that's impressive stuff there. And that's MGI. What's MGI, what's MGI stand for? It's short for uh, MG Industries. Oh, okay. Cool. Didn't want to leave out anything. Closing remarks, man. Anything that I missed, I failed to ask. No, just that, uh, we have a strong, um, belief in uh, reliability and effectiveness, and uh, believe that you know, rounds on target are worth much more than you know, rounds in the air. True. True. Mac, thank you so much, man. Anytime. Thank you, Tim. This will be on episode 223, appropriately, um, the Evil Black Rifle episode of the Urban Shooter Podcast. Mac, thank you so much, man, and all the best to MGI Industries. Thank you. Take care, All right, man. You're listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast from KenBlanchard.com. If you want to call Ken, you can leave a message toll-free in the U.S. at 888-675-0202 or contact him at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Just a couple of quick pieces for the news this week. David Kadria, the one who's making a personal war against the uh, BATFE and doing a good job of it, bringing everything to light about their gun smuggling, running activities down south, has his own radio show now during the morning drive. It's out of NBC 1260 in Scottsdale, Arizona, I believe. I'll be a guest Friday the 24th, about 7 a.m. Pacific time. So if you miss it, which is a good chance you will, This is uh, not time sensitive. Listen to my blunders and see what happened. Maybe we can record it somehow. Also, the New Jersey Second Amendment Society has uh, messed up and asked me to speak on the 13th of July, 730 up at the uh, South Jersey Shooting Club. And I got two different addresses. One says it's in Winslow, New Jersey. 
Another one says it's in Voorhees, New Jersey. So since I'm like not really good on New Jersey, I don't have a clue. Hopefully the GPS won't let me down. But that is on the 13th of July. Got plenty of time to make a plan. Uh, if you can come on out, if you live on the uh, East Coast, somewhere between uh, Maryland and New York, let's meet up, cause some trouble, talk some stuff, tell some lies, have a good time. So let's give uh, Dave a really good send off on his new show, War on Guns Radio, Drive Time in Scottsdale, AZ. Last week on Zombie Strike, they were in St. Louis, Missouri, in some office building in the midst of a zombie outbreak. Zombie Strike team was fighting hand-to-hand, close combat style in this building. There were zombies in the atrium, zombies in the hallway, and they were fighting all around trying to find out what was the source of the evil in this building. And as they got closer, one of the sorcerers tried to blow them up in the hallway. But like Jim said, thank God for stupid enemies. She let her guard down and somebody blasted her. Right when you thought it was getting better, there was more minions in there and there were more the truth people in there and they were just battling it out. The good news is it wasn't professionals, just some of the uh, truths, hardcore sympathizers. And they're no match for zombie strike at this point. But the numbers got ridiculous. And all of a sudden, golems came out of nowhere and started just whacking on people. And unfortunately, Slim took an axe to the neck. I don't think he's going to make it. Mateo had enough of all this foolishness and he called down some strikes. Poor young Evan Torelli was getting his baptism under fire times 10 and I think the little guy was getting beat down. He ran empty a couple of times and folks had to save his bacon. Wow, it's popping like bacon grease. And that brings us to the next installment of Zombie Strike. This is Zombie Strike. Part 8, Chapter 86, Epilogue. Torelli Family Farm, 30 miles east of Wichita, Kansas. 10 June 2011, 2000 hours local. Countdown, 6 months, 20 days. Evan Torelli hobbled into the recliner with the help of his cousin Stacy. His uncle didn't let anyone sit in his favorite chair, but he'd reluctantly let his nephew. Evan understood how proud his uncle was to even make the gesture, and he was humbled by it. He just wished he felt like he'd earned the man's respect. With difficulty, Evan lowered himself into the leather chair. Even with all the pain meds running through his system, his body ached. Evan knew he should be in bed. If Dr. Milken saw him up and about, the old man would have had a fit. There were just some things that a family needed to witness together. The President of the United States was walking to a podium somewhere in the White House. His face was grim. He looked tired as he stood at the podium, his lips pursed tightly. The President didn't seem afraid of what he had to say to the nation, but the reluctance of a doctor about to tell a patient he had just lost his leg. He took a deep breath and started to speak to an anxious nation. My fellow Americans, 
Five days ago, one of our great metropolises saw the largest outbreak of undead that this nation has ever seen. We were forced to watch as tens of thousands of our fellow citizens were killed in the streets of St. Louis, only to rise again as the walking dead. Yet, even as we despaired for those people, we saw the true heroism of our fellow citizens. We all watched as our brave soldiers and Marines charged in to save every living soul they could. We watched as our fellow citizens fought off undead hordes to protect each other. I was as moved as any of you as I watched Dennis Jones fight off dozens of the undead to protect his stranded family. I mourned with this nation when he was pulled down just moments before Marine Convoy came on scene. Dennis Jones's family is safe in a Kansas City hospital right now, and I've been told they are in a good condition. Through all of these brave and selfish actions, over 200,000 people were brought out of St. Louis and evacuated to cities all over the Midwest. It has been heralded as America's Dunkirk, the miracle on the Mississippi. I can only be humbled by what those men and women, military and civilian, accomplished. We have thousands of our own. We will mourn them and pray to God for his blessing upon the fallen and the survivors. Yet, in the face of this miracle, I am forced to make an inevitable decision. By our nature, Americans want to rebuild in the face of such tragedy, not just repair the damage and go on with our lives. No, we need to make it bigger, stronger, better. We need to prove to ourselves and the world that no matter what is done to us, we will not just recover, but become stronger for it. Unfortunately, this will not be the case with St. Louis. After consulting with my military advisors and cabinet, I am declaring a quarantine zone of a 50-mile diameter around the city of St. Louis to be sealed off by the armed forces of the United States. I am federalizing the National Guards of Missouri and Illinois to assist. Any ships that must transit this part of the Mississippi River must do so in convoy under the protection of Navy and Coast Guard ships. I do not take this step lightly. This is a necessary step, but only a temporary one. At this time, there is no method by which to remove all of the undead from St. Louis. We will keep patrolling the city looking for survivors. Until we have the forces or the technology to eradicate this horror from our lives, we are forced to take drastic measures. I will be meeting with members of Congress in the coming days to determine how the federal government can best serve those who survived this terrible and horrific tragedy. Thank you, and may God protect us all. The president left the podium with reporters yelling questions at him. Evan's uncle turned off the television. The room was deathly quiet as the family absorbed the president's words. Evan never considered St. Louis his home, but he was still crushed by the president's decision. Not go back and help. Maybe he should have accepted Mateo's offer. Evan still wasn't sure how the team had made it out of the building. The noise of the explosion drew every zombie for two miles down on them. All the fighting was a blur of gunfire and explosions. Evan knew he'd been out of ammo for a shotgun when the Marines finally showed up. He nearly shot one of the Marines with his pistol. It was in the LAV that he'd finally broken down. His last reserve gone, Evan quietly wept as the Marines evacuated him outside the quarantine zone. 
Somewhere along the line, Evan managed to bust up his ankle, a couple of ribs, and had dozens of cuts and bruises all over him. Mateo had come to Evan's bed that night and offered the teen a job with Zombie Strike. Sort of. It was the same speech he'd given Evan back in the hotel. You should go back home to your family. But if you want to come along, there's a slot for you. Evan turned Mateo down. He'd seen enough. Mateo actually seemed happy about that. As far as Evan's family knew, Evan had joined up with one of the small bands of armed citizens that had fought to rescue civilians in the two days after the outbreak. Jim had driven the teen back to Kansas and told everyone how brave Evan had been. In the small town, Evan was now something of a celebrity. Not that he was enjoying it that much. The doc said it would be weeks before he was healed up. Evan got up and hobbled over to the telephone. His family looked at him strangely as Evan dialed one of the phone numbers on the back of a business card. U.S. Army, 11th Task Force, General Adams' office, the polite but tired woman said, My name is Evan Torelli. The general told me to call this number if I wanted to join up, Evan said. Yes, Mr. Torelli, I have your name right here. Skull Island, South Pacific, 11 June, 2011. 2,200 hours local, countdown, six months, 19 days. Mateo walked out of the concrete dock and plopped down at the end. In one hand was a lit cigar, and the other was an unopened bottle of Glenfiddich. Mateo had brought the expensive whiskey for Colin some time ago. It seemed right to drink it now. Mateo Cortez really felt like getting drunk. Just for one night, stopped feeling all the pain and sorrow. Intellectually, Mateo understood that any one of his team could get killed. It was the nature of the job. They all rolled the dice and took their chances every time they went out. Jack, Billy, Colin, and Slim all did this fully knowing that they might not make it back alive. That didn't stop each of their losses from cutting Mateo to the bone. The rest of the team was asleep. They'd been on the go almost constantly for the past week. Slim's body had been shipped off to England to be buried by the family. Slim's father, a former general in the British Army, had made it quite clear that zombie strike was not to come within a hundred kilometers of the family. As much as it hurt, Matteo abided by their wishes. The team had their own funeral for their friend this morning. Tredegar left shortly after. He'd been recalled to head up an investigative group under the growing Task Force 11. What had been a thrown-together mix of army personnel capable of fighting the zombies was turning into a massive combined arms unit with full intelligence services provided by the entire alphabet soup of agencies. Mateo heard boots clomping on the concrete of the dock. He looked back to see Ken Blanchard walking down the dock. Ken was Zombie Strike's commander, pastor, father figure, and a bunch of other stuff. This morning, he'd officiated at Slim's memorial ceremony. Now, his preacher clothes were replaced with the more black fatigues that he wore all the time. Like Mateo, Ken had a smoldering cigar in his hand. Slung over his shoulder was Ken's newest toy, a Chris Vector submachine gun. Mateo preferred his M4, but he was impressed with the bullet's hose performance on the Rage earlier. The running joke was that Ken now needed to update his Browning after updating his Tommy gun. 
I was wondering where that bottle disappeared to, Ken said, sitting down next to Mateo. Seemed appropriate tonight, Mateo said, his voice hollow. The two men silently puffed on their cigars for a moment. Where's Robin? Ken asked. She usually keeps you from going into those dark places. Jess needed her more, Mateo answered. I tried to comfort her, but it's getting harder. It's harder to tell her everything will be all right when we see so much death around us. I'm thinking real hard on asking her to hang up her rifle. So why don't you? Ken asked. You let that kid in St. Louis go back home. Jess could go back to the States and go to college. The father in me wants to pack her up and ship her off to Florida. Maria left a girl enough money in her will to go to school, Mateo said. Ken's eyebrow arched up. Mateo let out a tired laugh. Yeah, that surprised me too. I didn't think the two had got that close, but there it is. Again, why don't you? Ken asked. If we need a sharpshooter, we could approach Sissy. Sissy made her position clear. I did enough to that woman, Mateo said. Besides, we need Jess more than just because she's good with that rifle of hers. There's a reason Wolf decided to foster one of his pups with her. Some of it may have been because Billy was one of Wolf's spirit warriors or whatever, but I think there's more to it. We're treading on some seriously dangerous ground here, and we're going to need all the aces we can stuff up our sleeves. The sudden laughter caught both men by surprise. Mateo and Ken spun around to their feet. Standing on the dock stood a seven-foot-tall man. His normal tight black costume was replaced with a brown hooded robe. The whip in his right hand danced with anticipation. Somehow, Giant had made it to Skull Island. Hello, Mikhail. Mateo said in a casual tone, carefully setting down the bottle of scotch and placing his hand on his cig. Ken already had his Chris in his hands. What are you doing on an island? I came for you, Mikhail hissed. Come quietly and I won't have to kill your friend. The two men traded sidelong glances. Mateo gave Ken an almost imperceptible nod. Mateo's sig materialized in his hands. The two men opened fire into their looming nemesis. Giant snarled as the bullet after bullet slammed into his torso. Mateo's pistol locked back on an empty magazine. With practiced motion, he dropped the magazine and went for one of his spares. Giant's whip lashed out as the two men reloaded their weapons. Mateo felt the mystical leather wrap around him. Giant jerked upward, and Mateo was in the air. Mateo heard Ken screaming his name just before he and Giant went into the dark Pacific waters. Is the cost of ammo bringing you down? Are you ready to have fun with your firearm again? If you need ammo, your friend and brother from a different mother has the answer. LuckyGunner.com Good prices. LuckyGunner.com If your time is valuable, LuckyGunner.com Order your ammo today. LuckyGunner.com Where you won't waste your time and the shipping is fast. It's 110% guaranteed. LuckyGunner.com It's time to go. But thank you for joining me again this week. Big shout out to Richard of BlueSheepDog.com. Hope you get better, man. To Barbara, thanks again, sister, for your 
on-time thing for women's outdoor news. Big shout out to Jason Jones. A thank you to Laura Burgess Marketing. Big ups to Mac of MGIMilitary.com. Thanks, John, for all you added and uh, taught on my Facebook page, which I need some of that stuff on my forums. If you could like go to uh, forum.kenblancher.com or urbanshooter.com, what is that thing? It's my forms. If you just click on that forms, I need some education about ARs and AKs and rifles and stuff. So if you guys can just start just throwing up stuff that you forgot that I'll never even know, that'll help me. All right. To Frank of the New Jersey Second Amendment Society, thank you for the invitation. To Sean Sorrentino, is that a cool name or what? To Pierre Brown of hoggerwatches.com big shout out to Denny Snyder of Electrical Hearing Protection company right out of Indianapolis homegrown hearing protection for home to Christopher of Chris USA shout out to my brother in San Diego Rob to the well known and really cool Dick Heller to Kevin Brown to Clint Byer of Byer Barrels thanks again Miguel and uh, I need to apologize to the deputy sheriff's recruits that I uh, taunted and jeered this morning as I ran around the track. Just being uh, evil was kind of fun this morning. They were uh, trying to get ready for the calisthenics and stuff, and I kind of did a drive-by saying crazy stuff. They weren't ready for that. That drill instructor just kind of came out, but I had fun. And speaking of fun, Big shout out to my sexy wife. Thank you so much, baby. If you're a member of the Urban Shooter Association and you can actually get into urbanshooter.org, look out for a big notice. I'm going to share some stuff with you guys in a minute. If you're not a member, think about it. They are the ones who help make this show what it is. Um, I got like one big sponsor and that's Crossbreed Holsters. And then there's a couple of people, a handful that contribute $4 a month to help keep the hosting, the URLs constant, the uh, subscription stuff that I do, pay for the music rights, all the junk that makes this podcast live. Those few people do it. If you want to be a part of that and help me, thank you. If not, it's cool too. You'll see little donation links and bottoms and tip jars and all that crap all over this, all over the, um, all over the site. And I'm trying to do it without being uh, Mr. Haney from uh, Green Acres, but I'm pretty darn close. It's been a great day, and I'm just getting warmed up. Until next week, this is your friend and your brother Ken Blanchard, wishing you peace. Shalom, baby. This concludes another weekly edition of the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thanks for listening. Feel free to leave Ken a review on iTunes about the show. Join the forum on blackmanwithagun.info or comment on the show notes on kenblanchard.com. You better give up, Rico. You haven't got a chance.
You want me, you'll have to come and get me. You better be a nice boy, Rico, and come out. You heard me. If you want me, you'll have to come and get me. I'll be with you in a minute. Give me that chopper. This is your last chance, Rico. Are you coming out or do you want to be carried out? It looks like you and I are going to take that little ride together. Oh, no. no, we ain't. I told you no buzzard like you will ever put any cuffs on me. You should have come out when I told you to, Rico. Huh. Mother of mercy. Is this the end of Rico? Rico. 